So here we are, session number seven, and uh, let's begin in prayer tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way, the truth, and the life that we have come to know through Jesus Christ our Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit will come to this room today, and that you would be in our hearts and fill us with your presence. We seek, we knock, we ask, and I pray, Lord, that what we learn tonight what we experience tonight will draw us to a place we never knew we could be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Two words, three letters. It changed my life. I hope it's changed your life. It is the answer to every question that can ever be asked, and I'll just continue to challenge you. Go and try to think up one that he can't answer with two words and three letters. He'll just look at you and say, I am. If you are in the room tonight and you're struggling with the follow me part of Jesus's calling, quite simply, it is because you still don't know who he is. Week number seven, all of these sessions have been based and the premise is based on this foundation event of John chapter eight, where Jesus reveals that he is, I am. Now, the Jewish people fully understood what that meant. They know about Moses. They know about the calling of uh, God to Moses, let my people go. And if, if I say to them, when I get to Egypt, if I say to them, what is, his, uh, what is your name? They're going to ask me, what is his name? I am that I am. So that's 1,500 years before the time of Christ. So here we go, John 8, 56. So I've read it every week. Your father Abraham, Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and he was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old, Jesus. How can you say you've seen Abraham? And Jesus answered, I'll tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and he left the temple. Is Jesus who he says he is? Is Jesus who he says he is? And that's foundational to this entire session. We've covered five of those se uh, seven I am statements already. All of them are in the Gospel of John. What I just read to you is in the Gospel of John. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the gate. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. And tonight, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Next week will be number seven of his seven I am statements, I am the vine. So let's look at his uh, announcement, the revelation of his identity and his purpose in John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father 
except through me. Now, how did that section begin? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust me. In my Father's house, there's more than enough room. And then Jesus ends with, no one can come to the Father except through me. So my Father's got a house. There's more than enough room in that house, but you're not going to get to that house except through me. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14 begins with the calm reassurance of the I am. You've trusted in the Father. Jewish history from Abraham now to the time of Christ. You've trusted in the Father. You can trust in me. There's more than enough room in this kingdom that is now being opened. And we know not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. I would never lie to you about this. That's what, what Jesus is saying in the scripture <coughs> is I would never lie to you. Would I have told you that I'm going to make a place that I'll come and get you if it were not true? One thing for sure, you can always count on the fact he's going to keep his word. His word is truth. Truth is his word and it is his name. What is he just revealing to these people? I am the way the truth, and the life. He can keep, truth means he keeps his word. I'm going to leave soon, Jesus said, and prepare a place for us to spend eternity together with the Father. And then comes my favorite part. It is the hope and the passion of my life. If you know me personally, you know this is real to me. In verse 3, I'll read it again. When everything is ready, <laughs> I'll come and get you. I like how NLT puts it. Just pretty simple. When everything's ready, I'm going to go fix things up for you. And when everything's ready, I'll come get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way where I am going. Now, I'm going to tell you, I could stop there, and some of you might be happy about that. You can get out of here, but I'm not stopping. But the sixth I am statement of Jesus in the Gospel of John is the response to a question. If you're really going to make any sense out of this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You've got to go and understand that he's answering somebody's question. It's an answer to the question from Thomas. And Jesus says, and you know the way where I'm going. Right? Jesus says, and you know the way where I'm going. It's like Thomas says, no, we don't. No, we don't know the way. So let me ask you a question because I can identify with this. Have you ever stopped for directions and somebody in a local area and they say, well, they start out with the left and the right and they say, you go to this big tree and once you see a tree, just keep going straight. Well, there's trees everywhere. <laughs> this right now is the left at the tree moment for Thomas. He doesn't want to get lost. I don't want to get lost. I don't want you to get lost. That's why we're here tonight to review the question of Thomas and the answer of Jesus and go into some detail. Verse 5, no, we don't know, Lord. Now, G Thomas said, we don't know. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we possibly know the way to get to where we don't know where you're going? So at least he's being honest about it. Thomas is clueless about the destination. 
He is clueless about the way to get there. And, and understand, Thomas has been with Jesus for some time. And he still can't explain it. He still can't tell where he's going. I'm going to my father's house. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll get you and you'll be with me always. Thomas says, I got no idea where you're going. So I can't possibly know the way. There are people here tonight watching online also, just like Thomas, if you'd be willing to admit it. And I'll prove it to you. If somebody were to come to you tonight, when you leave here, explain to me specifically how to get to the Father's house. Would you be able to lay it out? It's important that the church understands it personally and also has the ability to explain to somebody else. Because there's going to be people you're going to be in contact with that I will never be able to reach out to. Jesus, through the Word, and preachers of that Word have been saying for many years, verse 3 and 4, 2,000 years, what have we been saying? I have jokingly told people for years, I'm preaching the same material they've been preaching for 2,000 years. I've got no new material. It's the same story. It's the same Scripture. When everything is ready, verse 3. I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. In other words, when he comes and gets you, you'll never have to worry about him ever, not letting, or ever letting you go. And you know the way where I'm going. And you sit there in your heart of hearts and you want to jump up and quote Thomas. You want to quote Thomas. No, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going or how to, we don't know how to get there. My prayer for this audience tonight, whether you're here or watching online, for all of us, when we leave this session tonight, you will know the way to where the I am is going, and you will be able to explain it to somebody else, at least in fundamental terms. You will know the way to where he's going. So let's simplify. He's going to the Father's house. Let's just call that heaven, okay? Heaven's wherever the Father's house is. I told you jokingly, if the Father's house moves to Montana, Montana becomes heaven. It's not a geographical location. The location is where the Father's house is. So you will know that the Father's house is in heaven, and you're going to know the only, there's only one way to get to the Father's house. And what is that way, and how can you explain it to somebody else? Now, Jesus answers Thomas, and I hope he'll answer everyone listening tonight. I'm going to repeat verse 6, but this time I'm going to add verse 7 to it. Jesus told him, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know my, who my Father is. Now, now stop for a moment. If you'd really, Thomas, I've been with you a long time, Thomas, but if you'd really known me, you would know who my Father is. Hmm. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So something must be about to happen in that event that's going to open Thomas' eyes. Because he says, from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Now, now, seeing him, Thomas is going to see God? Yeah. 
He just doesn't know it yet. This is not some random off-the-wall announcement, but the answer to Thomas's question and the answer to Thomas's frustration. It's not so complicated, but people seem to want to make it complicated. Jesus, the I Am, has given directions to Thomas and to us about how to get to the Father's house in heaven. Do you, do you know what his directions are? <clears throat> Follow me. So somebody will say, well, that, no, that's too simple. Oh, no, I'm not so sure it's too simple. I think it's exactly correct. Just follow me. Stay with me. For seven weeks, so just two words, okay? How many times have you heard me say this in the past seven weeks? You're probably tired of it by now. If you're having trouble with the follow me part of Christianity, there's only one conclusion I have. You still don't know who he is. If, if you're struggling with the whole follow me, you still don't know who he is. Is Jesus who he says he is? He is the one and the only that has the directions to heaven. He is the one from heaven. Now listen carefully. He is the one from heaven, and he's, only, he's the only one that knows how to get back there. He isn't just some hopeful, nice guy from Nazareth in the Galilee. He is the I am. Do you understand that? Because this is fundamental to Thomas. It's fundamental to us. John 6, 38. Jesus himself says this, For I have come down from heaven. Do you think everybody, when he says that, they think, Okay, really? I have come down from heaven. He's not from Nazareth. I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Now, that, he's announcing that before Abraham was born, I am. So if he's come from heaven, he predates the world. He predates our lives. He predates everything. He's not from here. I've come down from heaven. Let's go to John 8, 23. Jesus continued. You are from below. Well, that'd be earth. I am from above. Well, that'd be heaven. You belong to this world. That would be trouble. Because everybody from this world dies, right? You are from this world. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. Why? Because everybody who belongs to this world, everybody of this world, we all are under the curse. It's the death penalty. Everybody's got it. That's why I said you'll die in your sins, for unless something happens. And what is that something that happens that keeps me from dying in my sins, that keeps me from dying generally? What is it? That unless you believe what? That I am who I claim to be. You will die in your sins. This identity, this moment of truth event, when you and I come to the realization, and we're going to get into that in a minute, what that means, what it looks like, and how it happens. When you come to the realization that you now know for a fact who he is, because you now know him personally, because something has happened. Something has transpired in your personal life. This identity, 
Unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you're going to die in your sins. This identity, coming to the knowledge of the person of Christ, the reality of the I am is Christ, is life and death. It is the difference between being forgiven and being unforgiven, which is equal to life and death. And then Jesus says something in Luke 10, verse 18. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He says, I'm not from the earth. I'm from heaven. And while I was in heaven, I saw Satan fall like lightning from there. So, who are you going to listen to about heaven? Who are you going to listen to about eternal life? I think I said a couple, maybe it was last Sunday week before I get them mixed up. I said, one of my frustrations as a Christian, as a believer in the modern American church is that much of the modern American church allows the world to tell you what the Bible says. And you, they get away with it because you don't know the Scriptures. Or they quote some verse and you have no idea. You, you could, if you knew the Word, you'd say, that's not in there. That's not in there. So who are you going to listen to about heaven? So tonight... Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. In my Father's house, you gonna, are you going to believe him? Are you going to believe somebody from heaven or somebody from the earth when it comes to going to heaven? Because the one that comes from heaven is telling us specifically there's only one way to the Father's house, and he's it. He's the way, he's the truth, and the life of getting to the Father's house. Who are you going to trust to give you directions in this life, how are you going to get there? There's only one that is from the Father's house in heaven. And there's only one that has the power of return. Only one. Now, Jesus has already said, I read it to you, that I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, there is a bit of a time, I'll call it a time mystery. Um, there is a point, I am convinced, I don't think this is the mystery part. There is a point when God will expel Satan permanently from heaven and there will be no right of return. Now, I have an opinion about when that will happen or has it already happened. But if you read the book of Job, Job, Satan had access back and forth to the throne of God. He, he, was, he could come and he could go. In other words, he could, where have you been, Satan? I've been roaming the earth. Have you considered my man Job? Yeah, I've been in there watching him. So Satan in that scene had the ability to be on the earth or he could be in heaven. And even he assembled with the, 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 the holy assembly in heaven, in the throne of God. But I can tell you this, listen, there is a day in which he will be expelled permanently. He will have no right of return. He will never get to go back. And to listen to Satan and the world that has enlisted to follow Satan will ensure that you also will never find the Father's house. Because he's not going back. He won't be able to re-enter the presence of God. He has been, he will be one day permanently cast out. John 3 verse 12, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Now, where's he from? He's from heaven. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. If you can't believe me about these earthly things I'm telling you about, how can you possibly comprehend heaven? 
which you haven't seen. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And you and I know that now he has returned to heaven. He came from heaven. He has returned to heaven. Who other than Jesus has come from heaven? Somebody might say Satan. Well, there's a time in which he will no longer be able to return. Don't follow him. He will be barred from the Father's house. Who other than Jesus has come down from heaven and gone back there? Only one, Jesus. Who other than Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father right now? Only Jesus. Not just seated at the right hand of the Father, but seated in power and authority. Only Jesus. In the closing verses of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus prepares to take his seat at the right hand of the Father. And let me add, he knows that he's going to take his seat at the right hand of the Father. He knows what's coming. In that scene, he announces his authority and the mission of the church as, it awaits, as the church awaits the second coming of Christ. I will come and get you a moment. So let me say it again. Right before the ascension of Christ to the right hand of the Father, before he introduces what we call the Great Commission, Jesus is going to say something that many times is overread. It's the previous verse of the Great Commission. You need to understand this verse when it comes to Jesus' revelation, I am the way, truth, life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why? Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All means all. The Father, this is after the death and the burial and the resurrection, the Father has placed all things under him, all authority, heaven, earth. It all is under him. He's in charge. It's all his. And then, then, and only then does he, he commissions us to follow him into the Great Commission. Do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? Now, in full context, I want you to listen to Jesus announcing his identity and purpose in John 14. I'm going to read 14 verses. We've talked about Thomas, but now notice that Philip is also struggling with Jesus' identity too. So it's not just Thomas who's been asleep at the wheel. Here comes Philip, and he's struggling too. And these guys have experienced Christ in ways we can't even comprehend. So I'm going to read 14 verses. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way where I'm going. And when I read verse 4, I'm thinking about, you know, when I use my imagination, okay, I get it. And, and I picture Jesus raising his voice like he's excited. Like, and you know the way where I'm going. And I hear, no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm sorry. We have no idea, Jesus. 
So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you'd really known me, Thomas, you would know who my Father is. And from now on, from now on you do know him, and you've seen him. Now, I'm picturing Thomas's face. Again, I'm using my imagination here. I'm picturing Thomas's face right there, right there. And from now on, you, you know him because you've seen him. Okay. Okay. And here comes Philip. Philip may just be trying to bail Thomas out. I don't know. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Now, at that point, with my imagination, I see Jesus going, I don't know. I don't know. Lord, show us the Father. Jesus replied, I, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? I, I, I hear him saying that in the church today. After all this time, you still, don't, you still don't know who I am? Show us the Father? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Well, how is that possible? So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe, here it comes, don't you believe, Philip, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe, so he's trying to melt it down here. Just believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. So, so here we go. Just believe, Father, Son, this. So if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because we have become indistinguishable. Because he's in me and I'm in him. And now can't, you can't tell which one's which now, can you? Or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Now he's talking about something that's going to happen after he leaves. Something's going to happen. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So I want to pause for a moment and try something. This is a very feeble attempt, but I can tell you it's the best attempt I have of describing what I just showed you. I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. If you were to go to Hebrews chapter 1, I believe it's verse 4, somewhere in there, you read this thing that confuses a lot of people. It's where, um, where it says in the book of Hebrews, never did God say to any angel, today you have become my son. Today I have become your father. Okay? So understand, this is really important to the night's text. Never to any angel did God say that. Today I have become your father. Today you have become my son. So here's my feeble attempt. Before the foundations of the earth, somewhere before the foundations of, before time began, that scripture 
occurred. Today, you have become my son. Today, there was a time that God became the son and the son became the father. So let me, here's my feeble attempt. And I'm, I'm describing it as a feeble attempt. So please don't criticize me. I think there's a time that God in all of his holy presence took a part of himself. He alone, independently, took a part of himself and said, today I have become your father. Today you have become my son. So the son is from the father. He is the father, but he's been put in a son's role before the foundation of the earth. So that's why Jesus said, believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Because there was a time in which they were this. And then God said, to no angel did I ever say, today I've become your father. So it wasn't an angel. It was himself. It was himself. That's why you can call Jesus Emmanuel. God is with us. How can it be God with us when the Father's in heaven? Because today I've become your father. Today I've become your son. You have to understand, that's how he's the I am. That's how. That's how he does it. Philip, like many today, knew about Jesus. Churches are filled with people who know about Jesus. But he really did not see Jesus as the I am. He did not see Jesus. Here we go. He did not see this. And churches are filled with people still struggling with the same thing. You, you, still, you still can't see this. And, and you know what? I kind of get it. I, I do. I kind of get it because I think it's bigger than our ability to comprehend how you can be this separate and how you can be the same. The whole Trinity thing. Jesus tells Philip that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, is Jesus telling the truth? I believe he is. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is describing the physical and the spiritual. Both are taking place. Not just physically are they the same, but spiritually they are the same. They are the same. Now, if that's not enough, this is my favorite. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. Now, now puts what? This, this way. Christ, Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So I like to put it like this. He's God with skin on him. Okay? Does that help? He's God with skin on him. He existed before anything was created. Who's the he? Jesus. He existed before anything was created. And is supreme over all creation. For through God, through Him, excuse me, through Him, God, through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. So that means that He had become the Son before creation. He made the things we can see. Now, who's the He now? Now it's Jesus. Jesus made the things we can see and the things we can't see. He made invisible stuff and He made visible Physical and non-physical as far as our realm. And what are examples of those? Thrones, 
kingdoms, rulers, authorities, where? In the unseen world. Now, now I want you to use your imagination. Out there in the heavenly realm, there are spiritual authorities and thrones and realms. But you can't see them. I can't see them. Who made them? Jesus. Everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. He existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together right now. Anybody remember that Louis Giglio video several years ago we watched where he has this little substance in there called laminin, and laminin is that thing that holds everything together? Powerful video. If you ever get a chance to watch that, it is powerful. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. You think he's holding the church together? <laughs> he's the only thing that holds the church together. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness. Listen, if you've struggled so far here, this ought to get you. God in all of his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. So here he goes. He takes him, all of his fullness, was pleased to live. Today I become your father. Today you become my son. He was pleased in all of his fullness to live in Christ. And through him, through Jesus, God the Father reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So, notice how Jesus puts it to Philip and to us today. One more time, verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. In other words, I think the default location, he says, if you can't believe the other part because it's too big for you, why don't you just come to the recognition that nobody can do what I do? That ought to be enough. Nobody can do what I do. Do you believe, do you believe Jesus is the I am? Is Jesus. So fundamentally, this is the difference between life and death, forgiven and unforgiven, heaven and hell itself. Is he who he claims to be? Before I am, I'm going to list the seven. Before I, Abraham was born, I am. He's the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate, the sh good shepherd, the resurrection, the life. He's the way to the Father's house. He's the truth about the Father's house. And he is the life that is the Father's house. So, the I am has come down from heaven to show us the way to the Father's house in heaven. He didn't just send a map, but came and walked the way. He became the way, and then he turned around to all of humanity with two words. Follow me. Follow me through the born-again resurrection into eternal life in the Father's house. The I am has revealed to us the truth about heaven. The I am has offered us life in the presence of the life giver, forever life. Next week will be the final I am revelation of Jesus, I am the vine. The final four root session, and I'd be 
Uh, I'm going to tell you, I am very excited about the final four sessions. They will deal specifically with the I will statements of the I am. I am and I will. And once you figure out who he is, you better be for sure what he said he will do, he will do. We're going to deal with his I will statements. Most of them come specifically to the church, the seven churches in Revelation, when Jesus says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. So you would know exactly what's coming if you know who he is. I confess today without apology that the only reason I'm in the ministry is I believe in the soon return of Christ. I will never apologize for that because I know that's the only reason I'm, pre I'm the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing. I had an encounter with God. I know what he said. I know what he revealed. I know what the truth is. And this verse highlights that point. Verse 3. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So that you'll always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. I think everything's almost ready. He said, when everything's ready, I'll come get you. I think everything's almost ready. Are you? And that's where we're going to turn right now. That's where we're going to turn. Are you? When everything's ready. So the question is not going to be about when he gets things ready. He'll get things ready exactly on time. The question is whether or not you're ready. That's the question. Are you? So I'm going to ask it a certain way and show you why I ask it that way. Tonight, if I look across the room, and I want you to listen if you're watching online, do you have oil in your lamps? Do you have oil in your lamps? Do you know what the oil represents? The oil in their lamps represents readiness. Readiness. But it also represents something else. Do you know what the oil is? I'm going to show you. I told you when we started tonight, <clears throat> I, want, <clears throat> excuse me, I want you to be able to explain to somebody else, not only that you understand it, that you could explain to, explain to somebody else, how do you get to the Father's house? What, what will be the key ingredient to getting to the Father's house? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But what, what does that mean? Okay, here we go. Do you have oil in your lamps? Do you know what the oil is? And I'm going to show you where it comes from. This is the parable of the ten bridesmaids, and some of them called the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew 25, verse 5. When the bridegroom was delayed. Now, the bridegroom in the story is who? He's Jesus. Okay? Anybody here think he ought to have been here by now? Just me, maybe. When the bridegroom was delayed, I thought he'd already be here. They all became drowsy, and they fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. Now, there's something real important about to take place right here. There's 10 bridesmaids in the story. And there's going to be a gap. There's going to be a gap between the shout of warning, the bridegroom is coming, there's a gap before the bridegroom comes. That gap describes a time of warning and a challenge for readiness. I'm going to go back to verse 5. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. All ten. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. But there's a gap. There's a gap. 
because he isn't there immediately. In other words, that isn't specifically the moment. I'll show you why. All the bridesmaids, all 10, got up and prepared their lamps. Who's telling the story? Jesus is telling the story. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough oil. We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. Now, you see where I'm getting the time gap? Because there's some stuff going on. Come out and meet him. Come out, prepare yourself. Come out and meet him. The bridegroom's coming. Come out and meet him. But the others replied, we don't have enough, oil, enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone, I didn't say it's a big time gap. I said it's a time gap. While they were gone to buy oil. Why did they need to buy oil? Stay with me. The bridegroom came. And then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, listen carefully, what's he say? I don't know you. I am not in a relationship with you. I do not, I don't know who you are. We never got acquainted before the shout. We never, we never were, say with me, we never were like this. Now, those five that already went through the door, we, we're, this is who we are. But, but these five, no oil. Anybody see the connection yet? You with me? Okay. The first five, this described who they were. But the other five, this is not it. I don't know you. So what's the advice in the story? Verse 13. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of my return. So what does this mean? And what does this have to do with the way, the truth, and the life to get to the Father's house? Here we go. The oil in this story is the source of light in the lamp, right? That's not complicated. The lamp is our body. Do you know the source of light that can enter your body? Does anybody know? You ought to be able to explain this to somebody. Do you know the source of light that has the power to come into my lamp, that can come into my body, inside of me, physically, me? Does this oil fill your body? It's a real question. Right now, today, I can tell you that this oil fills your body or it does not. Fill your body. It's a yes or no event. Does that light that comes from that oil fill up your darkness? Does the Holy Spirit, so what do you mean? Does the Holy Spirit live inside you right now? That's a yes or no. 
you're not almost have the Holy Spirit any more than you can almost be pregnant. You're pregnant or you're not pregnant. You've got the Holy Spirit or you don't have the Holy Spirit. If so, you will never. If so, this, this oil, which is the source of the light, if so, that light, which is the, the Holy Spirit inside of you, you will never have to walk in darkness. Why? Because there's no darkness in the Father's house. In 1 John 1, verse 5, the Bible says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light. Now, I want to expand that because we understand about the Trinity, right? God is light. God is light. So God the Father is light. God the Son is light. And God the Spirit is light. Light, 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 light. It's all light, right? So where's the light coming from? It's coming from the person of the Father, the person of the Son, the person of the Spirit. Person, person, person. They're persons. They're not things. They're not its. They're persons. They illuminate light. They, they give out light. They are the source of light. They are the oil. They are the oil. Is the oil in your lamp? How much time do you have to get the oil in your lamp? Well, this story ought to be pretty clear. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So how can I test it? Here we go. Verse 6. So we're lying. If we say we have fellowship with God. Here we go. Look at me. Here. I'm, li I'm a liar. If I say I have fellowship with God. What's fellowship? His oil is in my lamp. Right? This is it. If I say I have fellowship with God, but I go on living in spiritual darkness, we're not practicing the truth. And what is Jesus? He's the, the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not practicing the truth. I'm deceived. If, but if we are living in the light, if, here we go. This is what this is. If you're living in the light, and the light is living in me, As God is in the light, then we have what? Fellowship with each other. That's the church. Here comes number two. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. We're forgiven. We're homesick. And we're ready. Do you know the way? Do you know the I am? Not about him, but know him personally. Seven weeks of Jesus' identity and purpose. And I ask everybody tonight, do you believe that he is who he says he is? All eight of these sessions in this series are taken from the Gospel of John. And I want to close tonight with how Jesus describes the purpose of that same book, the Gospel of John, in the closing verses of chapter 20, the last chapter. This is how Jesus, excuse me, John describes this book that, he's, that we've taken all these sessions from. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written, what we've been studying, these are written, why? So that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, what will happen? 
You're going to have life by the power of his name. Well, do you? To know Jesus is to know the way. Why? Here's my favorite part tonight. It's not even in your notes. To know Jesus is to know the way because the way lives inside of you. And you will never get lost when he's in you. It's not possible. That would be like telling him he doesn't know how to get home. And if he is in Terry Cooper, Terry Cooper's going to get home. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I want to close tonight by reading Jesus' prayer to the Father before he went to the cross. And why? Well, a couple reasons. Everything about this that I have described to you tonight is in this prayer, everything. And number two, this is Wednesday, and you know what happens on Friday? It's called Good Friday, the day that you and I stop and recognize when God's son, today I have become your father. Today you have become my son. Why, why, why the cross? The cross. Everything was about the cross. And through the cross, he reconciled all of humanity to himself. Through the cross. So, listen carefully to these words. And this is the way. This is the way to have eternal life. To know you. That's this right here. It's not know about him. To know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. This is Jesus' prayer to the Father. He says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. What is that? That's the cross. Now, Father, bring me to, into the glory we shared before the world began. Today I have become your Father. Today you have become my son. Bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from the world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, that message, and know that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory now, I am departing from this world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name. What, what is that name? Say it out loud. Jesus. Say it out loud. Jesus. Do you understand what that, you know the power of saying that word out loud? You have given me your name. I have now protect them by the power of your name so they will be united just as we are. 
During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. That'd be Judas. Now, look at this. I'm coming, I'm coming home. I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with you in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. It's called the Bible. And the world hates them because they do not believe, they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. <laughs> not yet anyway. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. It's called the Bible. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they may be made holy by the truth. It's called the Bible. I am praying not only for these disciples. Listen, you want to have application for us in the room tonight? I'm praying not only for Peter, Andrew, James, and John. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will in future generations, all who will ever believe in me through their message, which I'm reading tonight. I pray, here we go. Here's my summation. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I, everybody look at this. I pray that the church would be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us. So the world will then believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory. What is the glory? I'll give you a hint. The Holy Spirit. The presence of God. The manifest presence of God. I've given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. How in the world can we be one? We're all in the same Holy Spirit. I am in them. And you are in me. There's a whole lot of in, in it. He's in the Father. The Father's in him. We're in each other. We're in Christ. Christ's in the Father. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I'm going to tell you, I have forever struggled with that one. <laughs> it shows that God's love I cannot comprehend. What did he just say? I want you to show the world that you love them, us sitting in this room, as much as the Father loves Jesus, the Son. That's heavy. Father, I want these whom you have given to me to be with me where I am. I want that same thing too. 
then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. This is the oil in our lamps. That's it. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for revealing the way to the Father's house, the truth about the Father's house, and the life that is available to us now and forever through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, Lord, may we be one as the church under the power of the Spirit. And may you, Lord, reign in the power of the Spirit over us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.